Come on, come on. So look, I'm looking around today. People are concerned we're not enough seats. I see seats everywhere. There's seats here, seats over there. So we're good. Raise your hand if there's seats beside you. Raise your hand. Look, look at all those seats. We got room to grow. Bring somebody with you to church next week and let's fill them up. That'd be awesome. And so uh, we're excited about having everybody in one service and being all together, worshiping together, loving together. Before my wife stepped up, though, I, I just felt this, the Lord saying, I make my mercies new every day. I make my mercies new every day. I make my mercies new every day. Just going over my spirit. And then when she said that, I was like, okay, God, what do you want to do in this place this morning? I, I just want to take a minute before I preach. How many, how many this morning would say, God, I just need some mercy in my life? Just drop a little mercy in my life this morning. This, this, the life where I'm walking through right now, I need you to just show up big in my life. Come on, anybody in here this morning say that? I just need you to come right now. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place this morning saying that he wants right now to drop a rain cloud of mercy on your life and let you know that you are extremely loved by him. So I want you to put your umbrella down. So oftentimes God tries to rain on us and we have our umbrella up. We have our umbrella up of the question marks and the negativity and the hurt and the situations we've been through. I don't know why the Lord wants to speak this this morning, but some people in this room have been through some church hurt. You've been through some relationship hurt. You've been through some situations in your life. And you've, and to protect yourself, you have this umbrella that you like to put up because it seems right to protect yourself. But God wants you to take the umbrella down because he wants to rain on you some mercy this morning. And some love. So why don't we do that right now? Why don't you just bow your head all over the place. And instead of taking an umbrella, just why don't you let your hands out like this. And just say, come on, just I want to act like a funnel. God, let your mercy come in my life this morning. <laughs> Give me a fresh touch of your spirit upon my life. I receive today, God, your mercy. I receive your grace today in my life. I receive your goodness in my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, I come with a repentant heart for the places that I've made mistakes. I come with a thankful heart for the goodness of who you are. And I just receive today your mercy. Come on, let him wash you. I just feel his presence so strongly. So beautiful. take this quiet moment right here. God wants to speak to somebody's heart this morning. He wants to tell you how wonderful you are. The enemy's trying to make you believe that you're not. But God says that you are. As Angela said, period. You're good because he's made you good. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. On your doorstep this morning, there's fresh manna. 
for whatever you need. There's fresh manna on your doorstep this morning. There's manna that say, hey, whatever situation, this is, this is to take care of your situation. And in this room, with all the hands that were raised, there's probably a, no one probably has the same scenario. And God's okay with that. He's not alarmed by that. He can handle more than just one of you at a time. His mercy's bigger than that. I've told you the story a bunch of times about Angel and I in our early days and not having money for diapers. And the short version of that is I left the house and left a little young mom on the front porch crying, concerned, as any mom would be, only to return a few minutes later because I forgot my leash, my cell phone. And she had opened the mailbox and there was a check for $1,000 in it. You know why? Because God said, you need manna? You need mercy? There's a passage of scripture that says, before you ever pray, God knows what your need is. He's not lacking provision. What he's lacking is your willingness to say, God, I need that. And trusting him for it. A lot of the struggle that you're going through is not because you need to struggle. It's because you choose to struggle. Because God wants to take the struggle away from you. There are times in our life we have to fight. But sometimes we just need to rest and trust God. And let him bring some manna into our life. That's a good word. That's a great word. So today, once you just say, God, I'm ready. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out your blessing upon me because I want to receive it. I want to receive it. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So I finished my message last night and tied a bow on it, and I had Angela do what she often does is go back and edit it and look through it and make sure. And I got tickled because I know how she says to me sometimes, now, baby, that was, that was a great series that you spoke to, did today. <laughs> so I handed it to her and I said, look, read over my series. <laughs> I'm saying that because I got a lot to say today. I don't know if I'll get it all said. But um, I, I want us to learn how to love big. But I also want us to learn how to be loved big. How many of you have a struggle? This is not my message again. Maybe I will not preach my message. (laughs) How many in here struggle with receiving? You can give, but you have a hard time receiving. God wants us to learn how to receive. It's, It's great to give. As the Bible says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I get that. But sometimes there's pride in not being able to receive. When God's wanting to bless you, but you're not learning how to receive from God his blessing. 
and it stops some of the things in your life that God is wanting to do, you have to learn how to say, God, I want to receive. I want to learn how to receive, especially from him. But he often uses people to bring that into our life, and we have to learn how to receive from people because God uses people to bless us. Can I get a better amen? Amen. I just feel this vein of the Spirit this morning. God wants you to get in a position or in a place to receive from him and to let God love you big. To let him love you big. If you don't feel worthy, join the ranks of the of most who always feel I'm unworthy. But that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live knowing who we are in Christ as children. And even when we mess it up, God wants to still come and love on us. How many have kids? When they do wrong, do you quit loving them? Even after you discipline them. You, you go, this is a needful thing to do, but I'm going to continue to love you. Even when they disappoint you. And if you've had kids, they've disappointed you. If you're married, you've been disappointed. If you have friends, you've been disappointed. If you're in any kind of relationship, there's been disappointments in your life. But don't ever let your disappointments keep you from receiving the love that God has for you because it's a, it, it heals you it, it brings healing to your life it brings peace to your life it brings joy to your life and you've got to learn to receive it you got to learn to receive it wow I am so far removed from what I was going to preach God you're good Just close our eyes for a minute. I don't want to get in a hurry. Lord, just let your healing come in this room today. try to do this and see what the Lord says. First John 4. First John 4, reading from the Passion Translation. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences that intimate knowledge of him. And the one who does not love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shines within us, and when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him, this is love. He loved us long before we loved him. Can everybody say amen? amen. And was 
it was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then love one another. Should, <clears throat> should be our, loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. How many were here last Sunday? That was one of the best messages. It was so good about God making his home in us. If you wasn't here, you should go listen to it. It was incredible. Um, he makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its fullest expression in us. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God, and God lives in them. And we have, this, and we have come into this intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love that he has for us. God is love. And those who are living in love are living in God, and God is living through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its fullest expression in us so that we may fiercely face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so we in this world, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear. I want you to say that. Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's protection, perfection, drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. I want to read that again. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. And whoever walks constantly and afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated for us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony, because if you don't love a brother or a sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? How many of you believe that God is crazy in love with you? How many believe that today? You believe that God is crazy in love with you, that he, that he has this crazy affection for you, this crazy desire for your life, and that he's crazy in love with you. And how many believe today that he is a good father who cares for his children? How many believe that today? If you believe that today, then I want to ask you this question. So the question is not, does God love me? But the question is, how do I love God? And how do I return this love that he has for me? Let's just take a minute to talk about love and what love is. The definition of love is strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Now, this sounds like it came straight out of a dictionary, right? You know why? Because it did. Now, when I read that out of the dictionary, I'm like, hmm, that don't, that don't really sound that great. That sounds like somebody just wrote some words. Love has been a favorite topic since the beginning of time. Philosophers, poets, writers, 
Even scientists, songwriters from rock to country and all in between have given their rendition of love and what it's all about. So, we, so we've seen and heard all of it and, and what love is about and, and what love looks like. Uh, you remember Jackie DeShannon? She wrote, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And then Tina Turner wrote, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? And then, and then the Beach Boys said, uh, and, and God only knows, and, God, and really God only knows what love is. But most of us want to talk about is the expression of love. It's really, it's Eros love. It comes out of the selfish kind of love. It's what do I get out of this? When we talk about love, what do I get out of this and how it makes me feel? And if I give a little bit, what will I get back? It always has this, this play on return. If I give a little love, will I get a love back? If I, if I share a little grace, will I get a little grace back? And now, those are biblical things. I'm not saying they're totally wrong, but sometimes it can be completely selfish to say that all I want to do is love so I can get love. Because true love gives without getting. God's love gave without getting. He had no guarantee that you would accept his love. He had no guarantee that you would lay down your life for him because he's already laid down his life for you. But he did it anyway because that's the kind of love it is. And so we make statements like this. If you love me, you will. Or I will love you if you. But how do we love a God that would send his only son to die for us? How do we truly love a God who, who would love us so incredibly that he would send his only son to die so that we could have eternal life? Not only that we could have eternal life, but that we could have the joy of living this life, that we could have the pleasure of living this life, that we could live in peace and joy in this world. And how do we love a God that loves us that way? Now, I wish we've talked about this and preached about this, and many of you even say this in your own words, but I can't even comprehend that kind of love. It's far beyond my ability to put that even in a box. Like, how do I, how do I understand this kind of, this magnitude of love? So how do I love this kind of God back? In 1 John 4, it says, Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated for us. Our love for others is a grateful response to the love that God first demonstrated for us. The way we love back is to love people the way God loves. In Romans 5, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. While I was still yet a sinner, while I was still a dirtbag, while I was still all the things that was broken in pieces, God had this crazy love for me. When I didn't deserve it, when I was a mess, when I was, when I was, well, I am a mess. How many in here is a mess? God still loves me. God's passionate love for me, his, his undying love for me is so incredible. In Ephesians 4, it says this, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He comes every morning with mercies that are new. He comes every day with a giving life, giving love that he has. And this is what the Bible tells us how to love God. There, there's scripture here for us. In Mark 
12 and 30, it says this. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart. Everybody say, every passion of your heart. With all the energy. Say, with all the energy. And all your being. With every thought that is within you. And with all your strength. This is the great supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than this. You're never going to find a commandment greater than these. To love the Lord God with all your heart and to love your neighbor like yourself. The scripture goes on to say that all the law, that all the situation hinges on these two things. is to love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And to love your neighbor yourself. Everything else is hinging on these two things. How are you going to live your life to love God and to show him you love him? You live by this simple commandment to put him first in everything that you do and love your neighbor as yourself. Your love for God should be more than just simply your emotion or personality or your religious duty, but it should be the fruit of your lifestyle. The fruit of my lifestyle should prove my love for God. The fruit of my lifestyle should be an, an example of how much I care about him and how much I love him. And I can only live that way by every day giving my heart to the Lord and saying, God, bring into my heart the things that you have for me. God, I want to serve you every single day of my life to prove my love for you the way that you're describing in this, in this passage of Scripture. Now, most people hope for extraordinary love a heart-throbbing romance they read in a book or they saw in the movies. And all the dating websites that are out there now are, ho- are banking on this one hope that everybody one day is going to have this romantic kind of love. And man, God's just, you just, I'm just going to fall in love. And when I fall in love, everything's going to be perfect. How many know that when you fall in love in this world, <laughs> that's not everything's not perfect? But the love of God is perfect in every single way. And the greatest love stories were not found in blockbuster movies or on websites. It was authored by God when he created you in his own image. When God created you in his own image and he, he breathed on you, then the greatest love story begins there. And then he not only created you in his image, but then he turns around and he, and he sends his son to die on the cross so that you can have this wonderful life. What a great love story. What a great love story. You talk about a knight in shining armor. You're talking about riding in on a white horse. You're talking about, come on, girls, come on. You talk about romance, man. I mean, he did it all. He did it all, and all we had to do was just receive, accept. It cost me nothing. It cost me nothing. He did it all. What an amazing kind of love. The scripture says there's no greater love than this. And he wants the same thing for you. He wants to have this passionate, amazing, intimate relationship with you. An extraordinary love full of passion and long-lasting relationship. That's what God wants from us. So how do you love God? You love him with passion and with purpose with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and with all, with all that you have, you withhold nothing. You give it all to God. 
all to God. Has there anybody in this place who knows what it means to be all in? You've been all in passionately. I'm all in. I'm 100% passionate and purpose. And your passion will drive your purpose, but your purpose will also drive your passion. Your passion will always drive your purpose, and your purpose will always drive your passion. And here's what I'm going to say to you today. Whatever you're passionate about is what you'll fulfill in life. Whatever you're passionate about will become your sole purpose in life. And if it's, your, if it's building your business, then that will be what your sole purpose is in life. If it's, if it's climbing Mount Everest, that will be your sole purpose in life. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things that we do in this life, but there should never be anything that supersedes our passion for his presence. Our passion for him, our love for him, our desire to be with him. And all he wants from us is just to say, that's all I want is to be with you. And that passion will drive our purpose and that purpose will drive our passion. So how do you want to be loved? How do you dream about being loved? What do you think about when you think about, I want to be loved? I want to be loved. We talk about relationships. My wife and I have been married for 27, 28 years real soon. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to tell you, there has been some days that have been passionate. I don't know, how, I don't know about the love part, but the passion was there. Okay. But there's been some days, there's been some love days, and there's been some incredible days. But you know one thing that we have never, ever accomplished? I've never been her, and she's never been me. And how she wants to be loved is not how I want to be loved. I mean, many of y'all have read the book, The Five Love Languages, and we have all these different love languages. And it's important, and I'm not taken from that, but it's important that we learn what the love languages are, you know, and how people want to be loved but you know when it comes to God he already knows your love language oh let me preach a little bit this morning he created you and he already knows your love language and he knows what you desire and that's exactly what he wants to fulfill in your life but there has to be this place that you say God I want to let you in and you ask God well how can I return that love to you we just love God like you want to be loved and I promise you there will be a connection like you've never seen before I just want to love you, Lord. Love God with all your heart. Love God with your best. Don't give God your leftovers. Give God your best. Don't give God your, 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 your end of your life, the end of your day, the end of your week, the end of your money, the end of... Give God your best. Make time for him in your day so that you can build an intimate relationship with him through prayer and, and, and knowing him and spending time in his word. Yes. He wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. Listen to this. I want you to pay attention to this because we don't think about this sometimes when it comes to God. Celebrate your wins. Celebrate your wins. You know the first person we get a raise on the job, the first person we ought to celebrate that with is God. Thank you, Lord, because you love me so much. You're the provider of all of my needs. I want to celebrate those things with you. Celebrate your disappointments with God because he cares for you. When life stinks, God's okay with that. He can handle it. Sing to him at the top of your lungs. Sometimes I like to just get along in the car and sing. 
you know, if I'm around my house, my, my, they always try to shut me down. <laughs> but sometimes I like to just get in the car. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And then I start making up my own words. Because nobody cares. It's just me and God. This is the day. Woo! I'm going to sing. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to have a great day because this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. I'm singing to him the top of my lungs. And then there's times when I need him to just cry on his shoulder and say, God, this day stinks, God. I just want to tell you how bad my day is, God. I just want to tell you how terrible life is going right now. God doesn't get rattled like that. He doesn't say, listen, the only time I'm listening to you is when you're singing, this is the day that the Lord has made. And the only time I'm with you is when you're giving me praise and yet you woo, ha, and we preach all these things in church about, oh, give God praise. But some days is the fact of life. You don't feel like praising. But don't put him down the road. You give thanks in everything by coming to him and saying, God, I thank you for who you are and that you're steady, you're, un- you're faithful, and you're unmoving. But I got to tell you, this day is stinking. This day ain't that great. Share with God your dreams. He wants to share his dreams with you. Learn to hear his voice. And when he speaks to your heart, you know, he gives good advice to his lovers. Love him with all your soul. Love the Lord with all your soul. It's to live a life of devotion unto the Lord. It's being faithful with your time, your talent, and your treasure. I want you to ask yourself these three questions this morning. How do I spend my time? Maybe you ought to take your phone out right now or take a piece of paper out and just write down these three questions and start your day asking the square questions. How do I spend my time? How am I going to spend my time today? Is God pleased in how I use the talent and the gifts that he's given me? Is God pleased with, with when he's, he's invested these talents and these gifts in me? Is God pleased with how I use the talents and gifts? And number three, where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my money? My bishop used to always say, show me your calendar and show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your passion is. Where you spend your money, what you do with your time will always tell you where your passion, where your love is and what you love most, what you care about most. And I value what he requires of me. I don't take that as a burden. I value what God requires of me. And I live my life to my best ability to please him and to obey his word. That's not cumbersome when you understand what it's all about. Because he would never put a burden on you that you cannot bear. So if he values something in your life so much that he'll put a burden on you to use that for his glory, for his purpose, then I want to live my life every single day to do my very best to fulfill what he's put in my heart to do. Now, I want to say this right here, because sometimes life or people or things will put a burden on you that doesn't belong to you. Make sure, everybody listen to me, everybody look up here. Make sure that you're not blaming God for something he didn't do. 
And better yet, make sure that you don't blame the devil for something he didn't do. Don't give him any praise either. The devil made me do it. No, the devil ain't made you do nothing. If the devil can make you do something, y'all would all be dead and gone. Don't blame it on the devil. Take responsibility over your life to say, I'm going to live my life and everything that God has invested in me, I'm going to use it for his glory, for his purpose, to the greatest ability that I have. That's how I love him. John 14 and 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments if you love me. And when he says keep my commandments, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments, but he's talking about the very things that he speaks to you in these intimate places of your life. I don't have time for all this today, but I could go through the Scripture and show you where God asked certain things of certain people in the Scripture that he didn't ask of anyone else. He told Samson, don't cut your hair, but he didn't tell nobody else that in the whole, in the whole Bible. He didn't tell Carter that. He didn't tell all you bald-headed people that. <laughs> You'd be in trouble already. Some of y'all let your hair grow out. You look like Gallagher. Y'all even know who Gallagher is. Never mind. I'm showing how old I am. But he's some things he requires of our life. And whatever it is that he put in us and requires of us, let's do that to our greatest ability. That doesn't mean perfection, meaning I'm going to be perfect in all my ways. That means I'm going to give it my best every single day of what God has put in my life. That's loving the Lord with all your soul. Love the Lord with all your mind. This is one of the things to have, it's one thing to have passion, but having knowledge is powerful. You know, my dad used to tell me this. He said, son, study the Bible because God doesn't anoint an empty head. (laughs) The scripture says it more like this. Study to show yourself approved. Study the Word of God. Listen to other people teach. Invest time to understand the things of God. Ben Franklin said this, if passion drives you, let reason hold the reins. It's okay to ask God questions. Just for all you religious people out there who said, don't ever ask God a question. That's not true. It's okay for you to ask God questions. Matter of fact, God and I have had some real conversations about some things. And God, I don't understand this. There's been scriptures I've read and over and over in the Bible. I was like, God, this scripture does not make a lick of sense to me. How many's ever had that? I read this like 5,000 times, and I still don't have a clue, God. I don't understand this. Sometimes there's a passage of scripture in the Bible that I've read, it, and it says something. I read it a month later, and it says something else. Because it's a living word. It's okay to ask God questions. And remember, he really wants to tell you things. So it's okay. Ask him and he will reveal some things to you. Sometimes we, we go off of things that have been taught to us from our, our religious background or our family background. Or instead of just going to the word of God and reading the Bible and gaining some knowledge that the Lord would want to speak to us. And through his word, asking God for understanding. God, give me understanding. Give me revelation. Give me, help me, Lord. Have your mind transformed daily. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by what? 
the renewing of your mind, that it may be test, testing you, may, testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't, don't let the world standards and, the, and, and all of these things around you become your, your, your measuring stick. But have your mind transformed every day. Renew your mind in his word. Renew your mind in worship. Renew your mind in praise. And allow those things of the spirit begin to work in your life. And God will give you this, the ability to discern what is the will of God. Your mind never stops. When we're awake, when we're asleep, mind's always going. And if we intend to love the Lord with our mind, we must keep it renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit and releasing kingdom revelation in our life to love him more, to understand him greater, to have a more intimate relationship with him. Philippians 4 says this, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts upon every glorious work, God's of God, praising him always. Everybody say, I love the Lord with all your strength. And I'll wrap it up with this. Stop being a crybaby. I'm going to get real spiritual on y'all for just a minute. Elbow your neighbor, say, stop being a crybaby. Sometimes in life, you just got to bow up and go through it. Push through. Push through. Everybody say, push through. Nobody loves me. My life is bad. Stop being a crybaby. Bow up. Get up. Push through it. Grow up. Bow up and grow up. We have too many quitters in the world. Everybody wants a trophy, but nobody really cares about winning. Well, I'm just going to talk to you straight up today. Some of you old-timers already give me some good amens in here. When I was growing up, you didn't get a trophy if you didn't win. We ran races in school, and I was always slow as molasses. I do not have one single trophy that I own for being a fast runner. I was slow. I'm still slow. I'm not a fast runner. So I didn't ever win any race, and I never got a trophy. But you know what? I'm not needing to see a counselor and struggling with inside because I didn't get a, get a trophy for winning a race. Because there's some things I did well. And I got a trophy for those things. But in our society today, we just tell kids, hey, look, you don't have to win. You don't have to put forth a great effort. Just show up. We'll give you a trophy at the end of the season. And I think it's a very, I think it's a very bad thing. I think it's a very bad thing when we got kids that don't even want to put forth an effort because they can fill the trophy box up for doing nothing. He said, now, pastor, you're just being an old codger. 
You're, you're not being very spiritual. You're not what you're preaching. I don't know if that's right or not. You have no sympathy. You have no compassion. You're just a mean old goat. Well, I'm sorry. That's how it works. Whether you like it or you don't, that's how it works. But I can prove it to you scripturally. So y'all ready to go Bible on this? Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course all the way. And I have kept a heart full of faith. You know what he said? He said, I fought a good fight. I could tell you a little bit about that now. I have had a few fights in my life. I have fought a good fight. Get some grit. Grow up. Bow up. Push through. Sometimes life is a fight. Now, 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 now. Now, Pastor, I'm just going to sit here and wait on the Lord. They that waiteth on the Lord renews their strength. I'm just waiting on some strength to come. I'm patiently waiting, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Now give me a trophy. Bring me a hot meal. Come rub my back. I got a muscle hurting from sitting so long. Sometimes in life, you're going to have to fight the enemy. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Sometimes in life, you're going to have to pray a little longer. You're going to have to fast a few more days. You're going to have to put your head down, and you're going to have to say, God, I'm holding on to the horns of the altar till I get a breakthrough. With all your strength. With all your strength. I go to church and pastor preaches something and it offends me and I just can't handle that. This offend everybody's offended these days. The whole world's offended. I'm gonna get political on you just a minute. I was watching the news this week. And they acquitted Donald Trump. Now the Republicans want to get back. I like some, y'all stop fighting like a bunch of kids up there and somebody do something. Let's go build a bridge. Somebody build a highway. Somebody open up a business. Somebody do something besides get back. Oh. See, we, we, there's a purpose in our life. And if we get distracted from the purpose, I'm going to just say this. There's always going to be a fight in your life. You get to choose the fight it is, and I'm going to choose to fight for the things that God has in store for me. Is anybody here this morning? Okay, I'll move on. Y'all tired of hearing about that? He said, I fought an excellent fight. Now I finished the course. He said, I serve the Lord with all my strength. Second Timothy says this, there is a crown of righteousness awaiting in heaven for me. And I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And the crown is not only waiting for me, but for all those who long for his unveiling. Hey, at the end of the, can we get up here? I can preach a little bit. At the end of the fight, there's a prize. 
at the end, come on, young people, you want a trophy? At the end of the fight, there's a prize. You want to win a trophy? You want to win a trophy? You like trophies? Then learn how to pray. At the end of the fight, there's a prize. Study your word. Hear the word of God. Open up your heart to the things of the Spirit. Because at the end of the day, there's a prize. Heather, you can come. So I'll do whatever it takes to win. I'll do whatever it takes to win. Every day is made of hundreds, and I'll close with this. Every day is made of hundreds of little moments that are opportunities to love God. Every day, everybody say every day, is made up of little moments of opportunities to love God. Every day, every day, little moments, those little opportunities. The door opens and God gives you the opportunity to step through it. Be aware of those doors that are open to God saying, hey, this is the day, this is the moment. Every day there's little moments of opportunities to love God. And every moment matters. I want to say to you this morning, don't miss the moment that matters. A story of a little moment in your life that becomes a story of his grace and our devotion. And it makes up the extraordinary story of love. A love story like none other. Because I seize the moment. I push through those difficult times. I love the Lord with all my heart and I give him everything that's within me. There are seasons of our life, folks. I talk to people, I've experienced myself. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much you love God, there are seasons of life where yours, there's lulls of life. You know? This trophy mentality always keeps us thinking about this. If I'm, if I'm not up here on the rooftop, if I'm not on the top of the mountain all the time, something's got to be wrong. Something's terribly wrong when I'm not on the mountaintop all the time. But the scripture says it's in the valley that he restores ourselves. And sometimes God has to take us from the mountaintop and he has to lead us down beside a still water And there he says, sit down here for just a moment and let me restore your soul. Let me bring the hope in your life. Let me bring peace in your life. Let me bring joy in your life. And he restores our soul. Moments. Don't miss the moments with God. Don't miss those moments in his presence. Don't miss those moments driving down the road. Don't miss those moments that matter. And let God bring restoration and peace and hope in your life. Let his grace cover you. Let his joy be your strength. And love him big. And let him love you big. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen.